Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 311 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, my man. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. Let's start with the review part of the show, as ever. And uh, we're going to start here last Thursday, Thursday, uh, the 23rd of September. One fight, um, or two fights to mention, at the Centre Videotron in Quebec City, Canada. Over here, um, Arslan Beck, uh, Makhmadov, now 13-0, a first-round win for him against Erkan Tepper. Erkan Tepper retired on his store at the end of the first round. Um, Tepper now 21-4. and um, Christian Mbili as well, one to watch on the undercard, real good amateur, 18-0, and 0, um, going into this fight, now 19-0, and 0. I want to say he's got about 18 knockouts as well, very very big puncher, he took on Ronnie Ladata, who's now 18-4, and 4, a TKO in round 3 there for Christian Mbili. Um, moving out now to Pazcuaro, Mexico, over here, friend of the show, former 154 um, IBF world champion, Carlos Molina, now 38-12 and 12 with two draws. He was able to beat Juan Carlos Regosa on points. It went the distance there, so a decision win for Carlos Molina. Um, Regosa now 17-18 and 18 with three draws. That's the second fight between the pair. Both times, Carlos has won by decision. Um, moving out now to the Universum Gym in Hamburg, Germany. Over here, um, a decent little card, really. Artem... Um, Harut Union, I am probably saying that wrong, 10-0, a prospect, uh, got in there with Spain's Samuel Molina. That was a good fight and a really um, interesting final round. It was round five where the KO came and Molina was KO'd. Um, Molina, I think, had cut Artem Harutin, uh whatever his name is. Anyways, he cut him... Um, or maybe he was cut, and then I think it was Molina wobbled um, the home fighter, and then the home fighter ended up knocking him out quite brutally. That one was for the vacant WBC international lightweight title. Um, on the undercard, Avni Yildirim with another win, now 23-4, and a unanimous decision over eight against Dominic Ameri, who's now 14-22. and um, Moving out to Spain at the Plaza de Toros in uh, Baldemorro, in Madrid, Spain. Over here, um, Angel Moreno with a draw. I think he's a former world title challenger, I believe. I think he boxed... Um, did he box Charlie Edwards, I think, and Jay Harris? Anyways, he's now 21 and 4 with three draws. A split draw over 12 rounds for the EBU European flyweight title against Juan Hinostroza. 
who had a record of 10 and 9 with a draw. I expected Moreno to have to have, you know, too much for him. But no, that wasn't how it was. So a split draw after 12 there. Um, Sergio Martinez, former middleweight king, returned to the ring in his most serious fight since this little comeback he's doing. He's now 54-3 and with two draws. He was able to beat unanimously over 10 rounds. Friend of the show, Brian the Lion Rose, now 32-7 and with a draw. Um... Scorecards of 97-94 twice and 96-94. So that tells me it was quite a close fight, especially seeing as Sergio Martinez um, was the promoter of the card as well. I'd like to hear what Brian Rose has to say about that one. I didn't see the fight, but moving on to a fight I certainly did see in this entire card, of course. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, United Kingdom. Let's start with that. With that undercard, a prospect to keep an eye on, Daniel Lapine. I think he's about six foot six, but I think he's a light heavyweight. Um, five and zero oh now. A points win for him over six against Pavel Martinuk, who's now four and eight. Campbell Hatton with a win, now four and zero. Oh. A points win over six rounds against Sonny Martinez, who's now two and five. Highly disputed that one there. Um, pretty much everyone gave the fight to. The, uh, the Spaniard, I think he was the Spaniard, uh, I think he was Spanish, but I only saw bits of that fight, most people, like I say, thought he lost, um, yeah, he still hasn't got a knockout young Campbell Hatton, I think he needs to kind of, you know, fight on some small hall shows, he doesn't need to be on the big stage in front of 70,000 people, um, Elsewhere on the card, Callum Smith now 28-1, and one, a TKO in round two against Lenin Castillo, who's now 21-4 and four with a draw, um, a perfect right hand to end proceedings, and that was a real statement there, uh, it was a scary knockout, Castillo was on the ground with his legs shaking uncontrollably, um, I saw the same thing when I think uh, Deontay Wilder knocked someone out years ago, but You've got to compare here. You've got to get the infamous measuring stick and get it out. And you've got to say that in comparison to Castillo's points losses to Marcus Brown and Dimitri Bivol, this early knockout in Callum Smith's first fight at the weight, by the way, is undeniably impressive. Um, elsewhere on the card, we had Maxim Prodan, now 19-1 and with a draw. He lost a split decision over 10 rounds against Florian Marku, who's now 9-0 and with a draw. That one was for the IBF International Welterweight title. Really, really good fight, actually. Um, scorecards were all over the place. I felt Prodan had a really good start to the fight. Marku did warm into it and pick up a bunch of rounds late on. I felt he may have just nicked it, but it was very tight in my eyes. Um, yeah, so Maxim Prodan, I thought he was just a padded record. Absolutely not. He's got something about him. Um, Lawrence Sokoli, now 17-0. and 0. He was able to knock out in three rounds Dylan Prasovic, who's now 15-1. and 1. That one was, of course, for Okoli's WBO Cruiserweight World title. A successful defense there, and it was his first defense. Prasovic down in the second round and KO'd in the end um, with a left hook to the body. Um, he's just really improving all the time, Lawrence Sicoli. I mean, especially since training with Shane McGuigan. He um, has, has just been brilliant, to be honest with you. I expected the knockout for him, but it's a good win. It's a good performance. And I am, you know, excited to see him fight again. There was a there was a period of time in his career where no one really wanted to see his next fight. They were talking about how he likes to hug people for 12 rounds or 10 rounds, whatever, at the time. But no, he has come on, you know, 
leaps and bounds since linking up with Shane McGuigan. And now I'd go as far to say I think he's quite an exciting fighter. Um, getting on to the to the main event, of course, the big one. Anthony Joshua now 24-2. and two, A unanimous decision over 12 rounds for the new champion, Alexander Usyk, now 19-0. and 0. A win, of course, uh, that, that gave Usyk all the belts apart from the WBC. So that's the WBA, WBO, and IBF. Of course, the IBO in there as well. Um, what a fight, by the way. But I've got to say it, Eddie. I picked this. This is what I said would happen. A Usyk points win. So I am happy to be right. But at the same time, a little bit sad to be right. Because I, I don't necessarily think I wanted Anthony Joshua to lose. But let's talk about the rounds here. Round one... I gave to Usyk. Um, I wasn't sure if AJ landed a single punch, and if he did, I mean, it must have been one or two. Usyk landed three lovely backhands in that round. Uh, round two, I gave to Usyk. Round three was a big Usyk round. He wobbled Anthony Joshua with a counter punch. There was only 11 seconds left in the round. I don't want to say he was saved by the bell, but he was in trouble. Um, round four, I gave to Joshua. Some people didn't, by the way. Some people gave this to Usyk as well, but I gave round four to Joshua. I felt like he I felt that he came back positively. Um, Usyk, I'm not sure if he was having a round off, but for me, he was a lot less active than he'd been in the previous rounds. Round five was a close round. Could have gone either way, but I gave it to Joshua. I felt he was letting the right hand go a lot more. Both guys were setting a fast pace. It was a good, interesting fight at that point. Round six, um, Usyk was dominating early on. Joshua came on strong late on with some big-looking shots. Um, I gave that one to Joshua, so 3-3 on my card after 6. The commentary had it 4-2 for Usyk. Round 7 I gave to Usyk. He was very dominant. He rocked Anthony Joshua again. Just when I felt that Joshua was getting a foothold, um, Usyk came back and won the round. So 4-3 for Usyk after 7. He was you know, he was showing the you know, the, the skill that he's got Usyk, and you could clearly see the disparity in the boxing IQ. Uh, round 8, Joshua's best round, I felt, at that point. I had it 4-4 now. He was landing a lot to the body. He was landing big backhands. Joshua was... Um, Usyk, sorry, was, was feeling them, I felt, a little bit. Round 9, I gave to Usyk. 5-4 now. He came back with a high work rate. Um, like I say, it, it made the next few rounds, you know, highly anticipated for me. I was really excited at that point. Round 10... Very close round. Joshua's eye uh, started to swell up really bad. Usyk got cut on his eyebrow. It was a bad cut, but Russ Amber managed to get it under control. Joshua was also bleeding from the nose. I gave that round to Usyk, so 6-4. Um, most people, like I say, had it wider than I did at that point, but unbelievable fight. Uh, round 11, big round for Usyk, 7-4. Usyk, I felt, just had much more in the tank as well than Joshua did at that stage, like I, again, predicted. I felt he'd probably have more in the gas tank. Um, not to say Joshua doesn't have a good gas tank, but I felt that uh, Usyk can pace himself a lot better. Um, and he's got the experience. And round 12, a huge way to end the fight for Usyk. A massive round. AJ was out on his feet at the end. He was on the ropes. And I've got to say, he was saved by the bell. Some people even thought he was stopped, I think, if you were watching on the zone, Some people felt he was stopped. I think there was a bit of a screw-up in the time on the screen. I think Sky Sports had one time on the screen and the zone had another one. So on our, on our, um, you know, on our, on our feed, on Sky... They pretty much stopped stopped the fight on time, but with the zone, they they stopped the fight a few seconds early. Some people felt it was a knockout. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, what a performance from Usyk. Like I say, I, I saw it coming, I called it. Um, Joshua really respected the power of Usyk more than I thought he would. Um, I think, obviously, I think Fury beats Wilder. Then I think, um, to be completely honest, because it's only two weeks apart from Joshua's fight to Fury's fight, I think, and this is a bit of a bold prediction, I think Fury beats Wilder again, and I think that... Joshua then has two options. Does he take the rematch with Usyk and perhaps have the same medicine again? Or does he just go straight for a massive all-British fight for the WBC title with Tyson Fury, who by that point would not be tied up with Deontay Wilder anymore legally? So they could just get it on. And some people would not kind of, um, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't be mad at uh, Anthony Joshua for not taking the Usyk fight because... He's got the Fury fight, which is much bigger, of course, and he might even see it as a more winnable fight after the other night. Um, so, yeah, no one can say he's a coward. He didn't want the rematch if he goes and fights Fury. However, if he didn't take the fight and he went and fought someone like Adillian White or anyone else, for that matter, it looks bad. Um, yeah, tell me about your take on the fight, Eddie, and, um, yeah, what I've just said about the potential scenario afterwards with Joshua's next fight. Honestly, I had a lot of the same thoughts that you did during the fight watching it and how it was unfolding. I thought that uh, Usyk was do- was started really well, started kind of you know fast-ish, um, and showed how how dominant he could be as a boxer, even in there with someone as big and as imposing as Anthony Joshua is. You know what I mean? Only having two heavy, two or three heavyweight fights previous. You know so. Um, I thought Usyk was really well prepared. I didn't think he was as small as most people, you know, at least, at least as I thought he was going to seem to Joshua. And um, as the fight moved on, he started to show how good he was boxing. Like, so he started, and the thing is, you could you could just see that Anthony Joshua wasn't really prepared for what he was bringing. You know, Anthony Joshua is used to, with the exception of, you know, being in the ring with uh, Andrew Ruiz that first time getting knocked, getting stopped. He's used to being dominant and in control. You understand what I'm saying? And, and having everything working for him. Uh, I don't want to say he's a front runner, but you know what I mean? He, he, he's used to being at that, in that position. So when you get someone in there who's, who's a master boxer, southpaw, something that you're not necessarily really used to seeing, and he's throwing combination, the pace is fast, I mean, your uncertainty starts to creep, creep in. There's a lot of uncertainty that comes in that. And it just makes you feel kind of out of place and what do I do you start looking around and start asking questions what round is it <laughs> you know how how many how many rounds do I have left well, am I winning this round or how am I doing and you start thinking and even if you're not saying those things they're creeping up in your mind and you could just see it with with Joshua as the fight went on he was trying and he was showing his heart by continuing the fight and continuing to do the best he could as the fight got into the later rounds but then the eye started to close and it just was all going downhill from there. But Usyk done a great job, you know, using the footwork angles, punches from different different angles that that uh, Joshua was not just not used to dealing with. And on top of that, like I said, the pace was just a lot faster, and not like a normal heavyweight pace. So it turned out to be an extremely exciting fight. I really liked what Anthony Joshua did in the middle rounds, and that's something to build on if in the re- if he fights him in the rematch. He just has to look at what he did there. And I think he needs to also take a page out of the Vladimir Klitschko book and stop thinking of just 
landing big shots or looking for shots that are, are going to be showy. You know what I mean? Peck some shots in there. Use your range a little bit, but press. There was at times during the middle rounds that he looked like he was getting to be a little bit too big for him, a little bit too strong for him. You know what I mean? He started to walk him down a little more. And Joshua was doing that kind of the entire fight, was like kind of standing in the middle of the ring, just letting him circle him. But he started to get a little more aggressive in the middle rounds. And I feel like that's what he should have been doing early. He should have, he should have put doubt in Usyk's mind early and say, well, damn, maybe I'm not big enough to fight these guys. You know what I'm saying? Even though he's a proud kind of fighter and he's going to fight no matter what. But it would just, you know, give him, you know, put a little more doubt in his mind, make, make him uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, you know what I mean? Instead, Joshua stayed on the, not so much on the back foot, but he stayed kind of at bay in the middle of the ring, trying to box with the boxer. And most people would have thought because he's so, you know, he's a, he's taller, he's a little bit more rangy, that that would have been successful. But if you're not capable skill-wise in comparison to the fighter opposite you, then it's it doesn't matter. You understand what I'm saying? I've fought guys that were 6'8". There was a guy that was 6'8", that just couldn't box with me, and I still was able to fight him from the outside. And then when I decided I wanted to come walk him down, I did. And that's the same kind of thing that happened here. And I just think that if Joshua's going to fight him again, he's going to have to treat it like I'm not trying to go to a decision, in my opinion. And, and he needs to use kind of what he was doing in the middle rounds. A lot of times he was actually, you know, like almost reaching out and touching him, just, just trying to make contact with him not trying to bomb him out every time. And then he started to have some success with good shots. You understand what I'm saying? So he has to try, he has to make some slight adjustments some in, in some ways and some big adjustments in others. But I think uh, if he decides to go with the rematch, I still give him a shot. It's not like he doesn't have a shot. He definitely has a puncher's chance uh, above all, uh, you know, if, if nothing else. So he's, uh, he's still a live dog in it. He's just, he's just, it's just now you can see that Usyk is for real, and um, I don't know if I don't know if Joshua can beat him, but we'll see. But after, you know, like now and what, what the options are, I think Joshua almost has to fight him in a rematch. I mean, you can go toward Tyson, but I look at Tyson as just like a bigger version of what Usyk is able to do with a little more sauce. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to get in there with a guy who's punching from across the ring moving around, similar to Usyk, maybe even more fluidly. Um, feints, all of the, a lot of the same things. Now, he's orthodox, but he's bigger. He's going to be punching harder. He's, he's going to be throwing, I think, more. I think even possibly more punches. It's just like, go back in there with Usyk, see if you can win that fight first. That's my opinion. I would, if, Unless you're thinking of a big English showdown and you're thinking about money and maybe cashing out. If you're thinking about cashing out, I can't be mad at you. But if you're looking to try to get back a foothold and, 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 and to dominate the division, you might want to go back to Usyk first. That's my opinion. We shall see. Obviously, uh, Frank Warren, the promoter of uh, Tyson Fury, is talking about just going ahead and trying to fight Usyk. You know, he's saying to Anthony Joshua, I think this week he said, you know, you should step aside. Let us fight Usyk if we beat Wilder. And then... It'll be for all the belts, of course, and then you will be contracted to fight the winner. So um, it's it's exciting. It's it's exciting for the for the champions and stuff like that. Not so much for the uh, for the challengers. I think everyone's gonna have to wait probably about a year at least to get a shot. But um, yeah, I personally think that they're gonna go straight for the Fury fight. That's what I think. It was supposed to happen before this. If you 
uh, remember correctly, they were supposed to do it and then they didn't do it because of this uh, court case with Deontay Wilder. Now, if, if, if Fury does the business, I think Joshua's got two options. He's got the Fury fight or the Usyk fight. He's lost to Usyk in that fashion. Couldn't get a foothold in the fight, really. Um... You know, I don't think he's going to fight him again, but that's just my opinion, and that would also be my advice to him. I think he should um, go for go for the Fury fight. Um, you think he should? You think he should look to cash out? Yeah, I think I think he loses to Usyk again, and then I think you know no one's going to be interested. Yeah, I agree. I agree that if he's looking to cash out and maybe end his reign go to Tyson because then you'll make more money but you're not going to you're not going to win no disrespect and yeah. so yeah i mean yeah, you're you're right but I, I mean it all depends on what he decides or what he wants to do or like you said maybe to step aside and let those two guys fight and then fight the winner yeah that could be something yeah. he could do yeah yeah I just can't imagine um, Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua allowing Frank Warren to dictate what they're going to do, but we shall see. Um, we shall see. But yeah, like I said, that wraps up the reviewing. I thought it would probably be a little bit more detailed, but it wasn't. We've flown for it pretty quickly. Uh, we both pretty much agree on what went down in that fight on Saturday night in London. But anyway, that's it for the review part. The final thing for me to do just before we wrap up part one is to welcome our guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Joseph Parker. Joe, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks for having me on, brother. Always a pleasure speaking with you, Joe. It really is. So, Joe, we last spoke back in April, uh, just before you fought Britain's very own Derek Chisora. Let's start with that. Uh, the fight was a much tougher fight than I expected it to be. Obviously, you're down in the first round. I'm still not sure what happened there. Tell me about the fight. And um, also, did it go how you expected it would go? <clears throat> yeah, listen, Derek is a very tough uh, opponent and a tough fighter. And he did uh, catch me uh, by surprise in the first round, dropping me in the first like 15 seconds. I was a, one of those punches that just grazed the back of my head or the top of my head. So I went down in the first 15, 20 seconds, and then I was able to get back up and push through and you know put on a good fight. It was a close fight, and I was uh, a lot closer than I thought as well. Um, and in saying that, though, it was always great to get the victory, but there's a lot of things you know I could have done better. A lot of things that you know he wanted to do differently. So. I think you know, locking in the fight with him again with the rematch will show, you know, just will definitely show if I, I'm, I'm improving as a fighter or not. Like that's, you know, so I have to do a lot better in the in the second time, and I have to do have to be a lot more dominant um, in the second time around. And I felt you did enough. A lot of people seem to think Chisora may have edged the first fight. How confident were you at the end of the fight before they announced the decision? To be truthfully honest, I wasn't I wasn't like the most confident. I, I I thought I did enough to win and I thought that I landed the the clearer shots. I, I know he, he did a lot of work on the body and, and caught me with some good shots as well, but I felt I felt like I had it. And it's always you know, it's when it's when that when we're in that moment and you were waiting for the refs to you know, to you know, the announcement to come and then the refs to raise hands, it's just like, oh, you know, it's one of those moments where like you're sort of eager and you're just waiting. You're just waiting to hear who's got the victory. 
and you're both absolute tough warriors. You've both got tons of heart. I just think, you know, it runs in your bloods, both of you. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're two of the toughest guys in the heavyweight division. I have to say it, though, Joe. You've decided to take the rematch. And I, I've got to ask myself and you, how come? Because surely something else was on the table. I don't feel like you necessarily... Uh, you know, need that same kind of fight again. You won the fight. Could you not have pushed on and uh, not gone for it all again, perhaps? Yeah, listen, it's a fight that um, for our team and, and for, like, the promotion, the promotional team and everyone, it was the fight that made sense to take. I know, like, there was, and to be honest, there were no other options. Like, it took us from 1st of May when we had the fight until we locked in the fight. There was no other options but just the Chisora fight that was offered. And then, um, you know, just before we signed the deal, another offer came, but we were already we were already agreed to the fight, which uh, you know, so we had to take it. And of course, the fight takes place December eighteenth at the Manchester Arena. Um, do you see this fight playing out the same kind of way, Joe? I mean, Derek Chisora, when he's motivated when he's up for a fight he fights pretty much the same way all the time we saw it against you we saw it against Usyk when he boxed him do you see the fight going the same kind of way rough and tough I feel the fight will go the same kind of way I mean the, the good thing about this is my first rematch um, in my career so the good thing is I don't think there'll be a lot of surprises in terms of his style and in terms of what he's going to bring he's just a tough dude who's going to come forward and, and you know put the pressure on and rough and tough um, and I have to be a lot more prepared for that. I have to be. I have to change things up um, how I approach this fight. Um, speed, movement, um, combination, more punches, and I have to be um, rough myself. I know it's all good to say it, but I just have to, you know, have to practice it and have to show it. And when we last spoke, you'd literally just gotten off a plane to start training with Andy Lee. How has uh, that been working? Obviously, with him, it's been quite a while now, and you don't live in the same country. How's it? Is it been difficult? Tell me what it's been like. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Andy Lee's in Ireland. I'm here in New Zealand at the moment. We, and then after the fight with Chisora, my plan was to continue training and lock in another fight soon. Um, but that didn't happen. You know, there's other fighters on a stable of matching that, you know, they've been putting on. And, you know, so I think as soon as we were able to lock in this fight, I've been, I've been texting and calling and, and keeping in touch. And, you know, he's just giving me a bit of guidance on what I should be doing, what I could be doing when I'm here in New Zealand by myself and once we do link up you know uh, on that side of the world I think it's going to be great because we're going to have longer time together the first camp was a short short camp I think it was quite short with all that you know going to a new country new trainer new structure new program new training methods and I feel like the longer camp we have soon uh, would be like a you know, nine ten week camp I think that's going to be very very beneficial for us both and just over a week to go now till we see your friend these days, Tyson Fury, take on Deontay Wilder in the trilogy fight. Are you still as confident as ever that Fury wins? I'm, I'm always confident that Fury wins. I mean, I'm confident because of, I've seen him train, trained with him. I've, I know what he's like mentally. But like boxing is one of those sports where I know I say stars make fights and sometimes, you know, sometimes people may think it goes this way, but then it goes the other way. Um, so, like, it's, you know, and Wilder's got, listen, Wilder's got a new team. He's got a new way of training. He's added this, added that. So, I think it's going to be interesting, even though a lot of people think it's going to go one way with Fury winning. I think it's going to be inter interesting just to see what the new dynamics of what Wilder's doing and what he's going to bring. 
yeah, don't blink. It's going to be fantastic. And I've also got to, of course, get your reaction to Joshua's loss on the weekend to Alexander Usyk. Uh, I'm sure you watched the fight. What did you make of it, and were you surprised by the outcome? Um, surprised a little bit. I thought it, was, it would be a close fight, a closer fight. But and I thought eventually Joshua, as being the the, the natural heavyweight, might might uh, get it at the end. But you know, Usyk put on a, a very you know, outstanding performance with his footwork, with his movement, his speed, you know, mixing it up, his feints. You know, it was just a great great fight to watch uh, from Music's side, you know, and the package, you know, the whole thing was great. Um, Joshua's a good champion, though. Like he, you know, he'll be back and it will definitely be interesting to see if he can adjust and change uh, once they have the rematch. And I want to get your prediction for your fight December 18th. You've shared the ring. You've done 12 rounds. Um, if you have a prediction, please share it with us. Does it go 12 again? Does it end inside the distance? I I feel it was a tough fight. And Derek's always going to be a tough fight for anyone and everyone. He just comes forward. My prediction is that, you know, I did I had him a few times um, in the first fight and I let him off. But this time, um, you know, my goal is to not let him off and, and get it done. I think I need... I need a way better performance to show that I, I still belong um, in the top in boxing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just finally, Joe, before we close it off, if you've got any closing words to the listeners before we let you go, say whatever you like, my friend. It's always great having you on, of course. Well, listen, thanks for having me on. And, you know, always always a pleasure to have a chat. Um, and to the listeners out there, thank you guys for supporting boxing. Thank you guys for supporting the heavyweight boxing scene at the moment. It's getting very exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it, and I want to, you know, I want to do well, you know, with my my fight, with my next fight, future fights, and you know, I'm going to go out there and, and give it everything I have. There we go. There are so many exciting fights for yourself, like you know, Joshua now on the re- rebuilding process. You, Andy Ruiz, all these guys, Charles Martin, all these former titleists that are just hanging around right there to fight. I hope we see some some big fights soon. But listen, Joseph, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck for December 18th, and I hope to see your arm raised with a more dominant win this time around. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, usually the news, but at this stage, I have absolutely nothing to bring you, so I'm going to go on with the preview part of the show, and if there is any news, I'll speak about it on the outro. So like I say, diving into the preview part here, this one takes place tomorrow night in Milan, Italy, at the Allianz Cloud. Over here, this one's going to be on the zone, if I'm not mistaken. You've got Francesco Patera, 24-3, the man that took the O away from Lewis Ritson. He is fighting for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Lightweight title against Devis Boschiero, who these days is 49-6 with two draws. Very padded record, though, Boschiero. I expect Patera to, um, to beat him, to be honest with you. And also, Daniele Scardina on the undercard, a super middleweight who is probably emerging as one of the brightest prospects in Italy. 19-0 in a 10-rounder against Jürgen Doberstein, who is 26-4 with a draw. Um, also on the undercard, deep on the undercard, Sandy Ryan, our very own, in her second pro fight in a 6-2 minute round contest against Alexandra Vujovic, who is 4-14 with two draws. Moving out now to the Tower Hotel in Tower Hamlets, London. This one's going to be on Fight Zone. Um, we have over here, friend of the show, friend of Eddie's, Dave Allen, 19-5 with two draws. No opponent just yet. Again, that is tomorrow. Um... 
Moving out now to the Glendale Civic Center in Arizona, USA. Over here, friend of the show, former world champion Raimundo Beltran, 36-9 and with a draw in an eight-rounder against Edgar Ramirez, who's 18-18 and with a draw. Uh, moving out now to the Verite Social Venue in Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, Mexico. Over here, former world champion Miguel Vasquez, 43-10, and a man who is unlucky every time he comes to the UK. He got robbed against O'Hara Davies and Lewis Ritson. He takes on over 10 rounds. Oliver Flores, who's 30-3 and three with two draws. And the final card to mention, it takes place on Saturday, October 2nd, Wembley Arena in Wembley, London, United Kingdom. Over here, um, a few fights on the undercard to mention first. Joe Pigford, 17-0 and 0 with 16 KOs in an eight-rounder against Isaac Aryi, who is 26-9. You've got Linus Udofia, 16-0 in a 10-rounder against Zulio Vrenozzi, who is... 17 and 3. You've got Mikhail Lawal, who is um, 13 and 0 in a 10 rounder against Stephen Ward, 13 and 1. You've got Ring Returner after almost two years out, Richard Riakpor, 11 and 0 in a 10 rounder against Christoph Twardowski, who's 9 and 2. You've got David Avenisian, friend of the show, 27 and 3 with a draw, former world champion, coming off that win over Josh Kelly. He takes on Liam Taylor, 23 and 1 with a draw for the EBU European welterweight title. Liam Taylor, a very good fighter. He's got a chance in this fight, but Avenisian seems to be in the form of his life, and I will be watching that one. It's a great fight. And the main event, Chris Eubank Jr., 30 and 2. Um, he was supposed to be taking on a guy, I think the guy's name was Sven Elbeer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, for whatever reason, that's fallen through. In steps late replacement Anatoly Muratov, who's 24-2 and with a draw. It is still going to be over 12 rounds for no belt, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it's another fight that we're not crazy about for... Um, for Eubank, and the two losses that Muratov has suffered have both been by KO um, back in 2014 to Philip Kolodich, who is who was at the time 5-4, and four, and Juan De La Rosa, who was 20-3 and three with a draw back in 2013. So he hasn't lost a fight in seven years, but in that time, I'm trying to see how many, how many guys he's beaten with a winning record. Um... He's beaten a guy who was 10 and 7 with two draws, 7 and 3, 13 and 9, 13 and 9 again, 14 and 2, 12 and 6, 15 and 1. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's not great at, at all, to be honest with you. 33 years of age, born in Kazakhstan, but living in Germany, Anatoly Muratov. Okay, well, anyways, all the best to Chris Eubank Jr. I'll be rooting for him. Um, yeah, it is what it is. We shall see. That one is going to be on Sky Sports, remember? Because this ultimate boxer, Sky Sports, next-gen link-up thing. So, yeah, tape that one if you're not going to be watching it live. Sky Sports, I think it's just on the main channel. It's not pay-per-view or anything like that. So, yeah, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. We welcomed our guest. In part two, there was no news. I've just wrapped up the preview in. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds.
Okay, and this wraps up episode 311 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest, the former WBO heavyweight world champion, Joseph Parker. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Manscaped. Remember, if you wish to improve your hygiene down below, please visit www.manscaped.com and use the promo code BOXHARD for 20 20% off and free shipping. This stuff really is amazing, believe me. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.